Good to see you. Good to see you. Shalom. It is good to see you here today. I want to uh, mention a couple things before we get started this morning. Uh, number one, I want to thank you so much for yesterday, all the hearts that went out and all the work that was done for this community uh, uh, to uh, during our fall festival. I, I know everybody come dragging in. I did too. But we're going to remember the Sabbath day. We're going to keep it holy. Let's rest today and celebrate the Lord. Amen. So let's do that. Also, I want to thank you so much for last week. I'm humbled and extremely blessed to be the pastor of this church, and I cannot begin to thank any of you enough, uh, or each of you enough, for the gifts, the 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 dinner, uh, the 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 comments, the cards. You're all truly in my heart, and and I thank you so much because, again, uh, I need you. We need each other. And we are a family for the glory of God. Amen. Thank you so much for that. This morning, I want to speak to the born-again believers. This message is for those who have been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. I want to give you some encouragement. If you have not been saved, I will share that with you in a few moments. But I want to talk to you this morning about celebration in a cemetery. This is part two. As last week, I talked about the raising of Lazarus and that God is the one who brings forth the dead. The dead spiritually, the dead physically, Christ alone brings forth death and He can bring it to life. You see, as we talk about a cemetery and we talk about death and often, quite honestly, as I have begun to comp- uh, uh, gain a few more years, uh, mortality is often in my mind, I'm sure, as it ends with yours. I shared this last week that I've had the privilege and opportunity to do many funerals. I've stood beside the graveside of many people who have gone either to be with Jesus or to the best knowledge that they haven't. And a lot of times we look as death in a cemetery as something that is spooky and scary. As a matter of fact, I thought the timing of this was quite great. Because here it is Halloween and we see all the little cemeteries and all these little things and how they're spooky and they give you ghost tours. Now let me tell you something. To the born again believer, that cemetery shouldn't scare you a bit. And that's resurrection ground, people. And that's nothing to be scared of. And I sit up here and I think of those who I know and love that lost loved ones this year in the past few years and the, the heartache that you've gone through. But as I've talked to you and talked to your loved one, those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, you know what? They're not there. Their shell is, let me tell you something, they're in the presence of Christ. And I want to share that with you this morning as an encouragement as we'll be in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And I want you to take into consideration this. That in Revelation chapter 20, and I've preached on this a little bit, but Revelation chapter 20, God binds Satan. Let me tell you something. Brothers and sisters, it's over. It's done. And what amazes me, I want you to listen. I'm going to go back to verse, 
uh, uh, 15, verse 15 in chapter 20, uh, verse 14, he says this. This is after God has bound Satan. This is, this is good. You know what? He is no more. And Christ forever will be. And he says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. I'm going to preach on that. It's going to be a few weeks. This but I'm going to tell you. And if any, listen, and if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. Now there again. And then he is, he is connecting the previous chapter with this. Then. So that's why I'm, I'm talking to the then right now, okay? The then. The born again believers. Listen, the then. Then I saw a new heaven and you stand up with me as we read the Word of God. This is something we need to rejoice in. We're going to celebrate together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And he who overcomes, listen. And he who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. You may be seated. I have told you that when we started in Revelation last year, that God in his own time and his own way will bring this world to an according, appropriate end. You see, God who began all things will end all things in his timing. And as John sees this beautiful revelation that happens in heaven, and he sees the glorious God, his creator, his savior, bring this world that he created to its end, he get a glimpse of the new. And as we go through these verses, and I'll give you three points here shortly, but I want you to listen to what he says. And I'm going to walk through these verses with you, and I want to show you how great God is. Verse 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Let me tell you what John sees. You see, what he sees right here is all that was and all that has been uh, mangled by sin, that has been destroyed by the sinful nature of man, is gone away. What you will see here is not only God's justice, but God's mercy. He's not talking about a renovation. He's talking about, number one, a new creation. I want you to listen to me. Second Peter says this, listen. He says this in chapter 3, verse 7. 
But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire for the day of judgment and the day of destruction of ungodly men. What John sees now is the after of what happened through God's judgment. God will bring judgment upon this earth. And all the unrighteous will perish. But then John sees something beautiful. you got to understand, with God's justice, His mercy goes hand in hand. If He was not just, He would not be God. If He was not merciful, He would not be God. But He is all things for His glory. He is just. He is merciful. Look what Second Peter says also. Listen, this is beautiful. He says in 11, chapter 3, verse 11, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you ought to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening of the coming day of God, which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. The old will be consumed and done. I get a little excited when I talk about the newness of heaven because he said there will also no longer be any sea. Well, what does that mean, Chad? You see, the sea is often identified with that that is evil. That the evilness, the beast, came out of the sea. The force, and you will see that also it's the sea that consumed the army of Pharaoh. But what he is saying is this. All things are new and there is no evil. None. All things are new. Now I want to go back for a few moments. How many of you have ever had a new car? And how many after five years trade that car in for another new car? <laughs> well, I want you to think. Listen to me. And here's the, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Now listen to me. Listen, everybody, please. Hear what I'm saying, Christians. Listen. There's a reason why we set our treasures in heaven. Because Solomon will tell you in Ecclesiastes, for the eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. That which has been made, we always something, want something made just a little bit better. Why did Solomon say that all things under the sun is vanity? Why is it meaningless? Because that that has been made by man will get old to man. We can't be satisfied with man-made things. Do you hear me? Man-made things will not be satisfying to you. That new car smell will wear off. That new toy your child will throw away that you spent $700 on or they will tear up. All the things that we have bought, somebody else will have. What is new to us will become new to somebody else. But what John is saying here is that old, which is the old earth, that is marred by things made by man, has now been created new by things made by God. There's a big difference. And I want to encourage you that in this new creation, number one new creation, that it is a home, it is a place, in a heavens and, is it a heavens and earth that's been created by the hand of God. 
Look what he says. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready for as a bride adorned for her husband. Let me tell you something about the relationship of Jesus Christ and His church. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing greater to know than we are the bride of Christ. Is that wedding music I hear? You see, the thing that amazes me most about this is this. That Jesus Christ said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am there, you may be also. It is a place that He has prepared by the master builder's hands that you will not get tired of the newness because it's not created by man who grows old and dies and marred by sin, but a hand that creates things by the hand that is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, who always has been and will always be, and it's perfect, people. And it's reserved for you. Be encouraged. I know right now that we, we, we see these times where gas is as high as ever, where, where political elements are going nuts. But I'm telling you, as the Bible tells us continually throughout its Word, that there's a remnant. Listen, remnant, hold to the promises of God. This world is not your home. He is faithful in His promises. And He said, I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, Jerusalem today does not look like the new Jerusalem that is coming, brother. You th I thought about this first. I want you to think about this for a few minutes. What is the nickname for Las Vegas? Sin City. Why would you ever want to go to Sin City? Why is it funny? Because it's something that's been created by man for the pleasures of man, but to the un- Sin's not funny. And it's not something that we should rejoice in. We actually, when we lived in Pennsylvania, that there was two major roads that collided. One coming from the Poconos and one coming from Pittsburgh, I believe. And there were some places of ill repute, if you would, there. And one of the places was named Babylon that would draw a lot of people. Babylon. Another sin city. Because men love darkness rather than light. The places that were made and created to draw men into more darkness. But let me tell you something. There's a city coming down that we will dwell that's not been made by human hands. Because it has been cleaned by the hands of the righteous God. And the bride adorned for her husband. You know, it often makes me think of this. I know how much my wife loves me. And I know how much I love my wife and we are married under the covenant relationship of God. But it doesn't compare to the love of Christ for His people. Because I'm a flawed man and my wife's a flawed person. But the bride of Christ, the church, the body of believers... 
from every tongue, tribe, and nation who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and been redeemed. Great is your reward in the presence of God the Father. You can't comprehend that love. As much as I love her, Christ loves me more. And as much as I love her, listen, I love Christ more. I want to... You know, please understand with me. And we fixing to have a bonfire for men on November 19th to talk about being godly husbands and parents for men. And I, I want to not go off on a tangent, but I want to think about the bride in Christ and compare it to marriage. Brothers and sisters, to be the, Christ, the bride of Christ, listen to me, that's each and every one of you, you have to love Christ more than you love your spouse. Because if you love Christ more, she'll see the example and won't have a problem with it. Or he won't have a problem with it because you desire that which is holy instead of that which is not holy. And if you desire that which was holy, your marriage will be filled with the things that are holy because you want to serve Christ. Is that wedding music I hear? He's coming, people. Take heart. He's coming. And listen to this, verse... Three, and this gets me. And behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them and shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. God will dwell with us. Let me tell you a little story and make this connection. Not only do you have a beautiful new creation. But you have a magnificent restoration. You see, in the beginning, when God created man and woman, all things were good. And the Bible tells me that God fellowshiped with them in the cool of the day. We talked about this this morning in Sunday school. That God fellowshiped with His creation. But because of the... Man thought his ways were better than God's ways. And he partook of the forbidden fruit which God said no. And that relationship was done. God walked with His people and dwelt among Adam and Eve. But because of the fall, that relationship was crushed. But the Bible tells me right here that in this new heaven and new earth, God will dwell with His people. Because of Christ, we have been reconciled to the Father. And one day, He will dwell among us. I'm going to tell you how glorious this is. And if you hadn't grasped that, let me, let me, let me give you a glimpse of it. Moses desired to see the face of God. And what did God tell him? No, for no man has seen my face and lived. Men cannot handle the holiness and the glory of God. You are not worthy to look upon the righteous, holy God that created this earth. Moses caught a glimpse of a couple of parts. And it was so bright 
just the parts of God. The parts. But one day, He will dwell among us. And the restoration will happen that when God intended to walk among His people, praise God for Jesus Christ, now He'll walk again. That ought to bring you excitement, people. A magnificent restoration. And He will wipe away all tears. I've cried a lot in my life. And I'm not ashamed of it. Crying don't make me more or less a man. It makes you more or less a woman or more or less a woman. I've spent many times mourning. But I want you to think of this verse as I thought about wiping away tears. You see, Jesus said in the Beatitude, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And what Jesus was referring to is this, those who mourn for their condition, they weep over their sin. For those who recognize where they are, God will cleanse you. What He is saying here is no more for mourning over sin, people. It's done. Because everything that we mourn over is a result of sin. Death is a result of sin. Sickness is a result of sin. Heartache is a result of sin. Anger is a result of sin. Bitterness is a result, is, is a result of sin. All this stuff is because of sin. No more. No more. For God shall wipe away all tears, and those who mourn shall mourn no more. But look what also he says. And or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. God in His justice and God in His mercy. God in His justice has punished sin. God in His mercy has sustained His people. And they shall hurt no more. You know, I often think about this. Each one of us go through pain. I think of my son who has constant migraines. I think of people who have arthritis. I think of people who have disease. I think of people who have been crippled by different things. I think of the pain of emotion. The pain of stress. The pain of whatever it may be that causes you continual grief that gets you to focus more on the pain than it does Christ. I think about this. But I honestly believe, as C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone. That in the midst of it, you cry out to Him, God, walk with me through this because there's a time when this pain will end and there will be no more. That's why early churches, the early church, the disciples, those who went through such Martyrdom, martyrdom, that were willing to march to their death rejoicing because they knew that their home was eternal and not here. Brothers and sisters, that's why I'm telling you, if you are born again believer in Christ, man, we're just here for a while. James has said it's a vapor. It's here one minute, it's gone. 
But when Christ brings all this together, we will dwell in eternity with Him. And I want you to look what it says. All things passed away. And He who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And let me give you point number three. God's transforming glorification. You hear me? That what is so great, this body's a little wore out. But the Bible tells me I'll have a new one. That has not been manipulated by man or sin, but has been recreated by the hand of Almighty God. I want you to think of all the things, everybody that you've ever known, and even in your life, now, I don't know how old everybody is in here, and I'm not going to ask. That gets you in trouble. But what I will tell you this, life has treated every one of us differently. Some have been sick. Some have faced death. Some have faced death early. Some have lost siblings. Some have lost children. Some have seen diseases that cripple us. And we have seen things that just make our bodies into something that we go, why God? But let me tell you something for the born-again believer. God will make us new. I don't know what I'm going to look like when I get in heaven. But I can guarantee you this, because of Jesus Christ, I want to worship Him for sustaining me and changing me. And look what he says. I'm making all things new. Just like Solomon who said there's nothing new under the sun. Did you hear that? Solomon was brilliant. And, and I press this continuously, people. I do this all the time. And, and I say this on Wednesdays when we go through our Bible studies and on Sunday mornings in our Sunday school that we must understand, we must understand that anything under heaven under heaven, is flawed. That's why Solomon says that there's nothing new. And you look at it from his perspective. People have read that and said, how can Solomon say that? You know, he says, you know, what is new under the sun? Let's look at the animals. They tamed them. The Romans had a better sewer district than a lot of us. That wasn't funny as I thought it'd be. But anyway, you need to read some history. They were pretty sharp people 2,000 years ago, okay? And Solomon, who had everything, said there's nothing new because he wasn't satisfied because whatever man came up with, he got tired of it. But God says, I make all things new. And if it's been made by a perfect hand that it's not been flawed by man's sin, then I can promise you that's something that you'll never get tired of. Look what he says. Write these words, for they are faithful and true. You see, John was given a command. You remember we talked about this in Revelation. There's a couple things God told him not to write. But he tells him to write this. Why? Because it's true and he wants to encourage others. You see, you've got to understand in this book that yes, it contains prophecy. And it does talk about things. But it was written to the persecuted church. Okay? 
the church continues to be persecuted. But as born-again believers in Christ, we need to continue to be completely, 100% holy sold on the Word of Christ because He's faithful and true. He never promised He'd deliver us from all things on this earth, but He would sustain us through them. And when our eyes close, oh, what a great day that will be. You see, that's why we can celebrate in a cemetery, okay? And I know that things are tough, and I, there, there's some things that I'm going to go through if I live long enough. I'm going to lose loved ones, and it's going to hurt. And I can't tell you what it feels like to lose certain family members. or friends. I don't know. One day if I live long enough, I will. But I know this without a shadow of a doubt. If those members are born again in Jesus Christ, and you are too, you will see them again. God's transforming glorification. I'm going to get a new body, people. Ship's a little battered, but the anchor's still holding. I tell you this, one day I ain't got to worry about it being battered, nor have to worry about it holding, because I'll be held by the one who made me. These words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. And he makes it very clear that he who started this work will bring it to an end. If he made it and he ends it, then there's nobody else that we can trust in. Only Christ. He said, I am the beginning. And listen, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. I think as one evangelist that says this, and I want you to think about this. He said, I think the greatest miracle, this is what evangelist said, I can't remember which one said it, but it's an awesome quote. He said, I think the greatest miracle that God can take a wicked, depraved man, save him, put him back in the world which he came from, and sustain him to the end. Listen. As Jesus told the woman at the well, who had been through a lot, I want to bring that story up for a few moments. Because here's a woman that everybody had condemned because she'd been married a bunch of times. We love to pick out people's sin, don't we? Let's be honest. And when he confronts her, he says, Ma'am, the water I give you is living water. And you will never thirst again. And it didn't quite click. Now that well been there quite a long time, quite a sack full of people drawing water from it. But what he said was, I am the well of living water. And he says, go get your husband and come back. She said, I don't have any. He said, you're right. And she all of a sudden, when she's confronted in it, she asks him a question or makes a statement. You're a prophet. She says, well, you know, since you're a prophet, well, Samaritans say we should worship here. The Jews say we should worship here. What do you say we should worship? Now, the beautiful thing about Jesus is when she changed the subject, he addressed her question. Come in a time when it doesn't matter that you worship in spirit and truth. See, that's the great thing about living water. Here's where I'm going with this. Jesus met her where she was. And the water that he shared was something that would not, you would not thirst again. 
And even the woman at the well, regardless of what people viewed her as, by her faith and trust, Christ viewed her as a child. You see the difference? You see the difference? Because regardless of where you walk or where you've been, that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're His. He gives water that you will never thirst again. And that's what He was telling her. You may drink this water, but you'll be thirsty again. You drink from me, you will never thirst again. And there's coming a time when you will stand before eternity and then I will make you clean. Listen to me. And I want everybody to hear this. If you don't know the spring of living water, I pray that you do. You say, Chad, you don't know what I've done in my life. You have no clue what I've been through. You don't know all the things that I've lost. You don't know all the bad things that I've done. You're right. You're right. I don't know. But I know this. Jesus Christ saves. Where men may beat you in, your, in His judgment, Christ will meet you and cleanse you. And from Him flows water, living water, that will sustain you until the day of redemption. Amen? I want you to think about this for a few moments. He says this, He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I have to close, people, with this verse. He who overcomes. You see, here's the deal. Overcoming means this. As a born-again believer, that you hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess for he that promised is faithful. You overcome the world. See, if you're born again a Christian, born again believer in Jesus Christ, you're not of this world. You live in it, but you're being sustained by Christ to live in water. Amen? Amen? Does that mean we're going to fail? Absolutely. Does that mean we're going to do things we shouldn't? We will sin? Yes. But it doesn't mean we'll continue in it. It means we will overcome. Because look what he says. Again, I have to read this. It's not included. I didn't include this. But listen. I will be his God. And he will be my son. But. But. For the cowardly. And unbelieving. The abominable. Murderers. Immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, as I'm talking to born-again believers to be encouraged, if you've not placed your faith and trust in Christ, now I'm talking to you. You see, identifying as a Christian is not the same as being one. To have partaken of the living water means that you have been radically changed by the person and work of Jesus Christ. What that means is this. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have eternal life. The Bible also says in the day of Pentecost when 
Peter began to preach and they were cut to the core. They said, what must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Now I want to make something clear. The focal point is repentance. Baptism does not save you. It shows that you are saved. You hear me? But what does it mean to be saved? I'm going to tell you what it means. When you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, you are going in this direction. And when you turn and follow Christ, you are now going in this direction. For he told Nicodemus right before John 3.16 in that discourse, you must be born again. Flesh gives flesh birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. See, whereas we were born one time as human beings, we must be born again as spiritual for the presence of Christ. And the only way for that to happen is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, those who overcome will inherit these things, believers, but those who are not won't. And let me assure you people that as born-again believers in Christ, right now we're on this earth like I talked a few weeks ago, we need to be mourning over those who do not know Christ. We need to lament over them. Because look, just like Jesus said, for where I am there you may be also, that should be our desire. For our family, for our friends, that they be overcomers. For where we are, they may be also. You see, the message of Christ is very clear. If you believe in me, you will follow me. You repent of your sin and you will hold unswerving to the faith that you possess because he that promised is faithful. It's like this. I don't have the power to resurrect a thing. I can't save a soul. My bitterness, my anger, my lust, whatever it may be, I had no power in that to resurrect it, to make it whole. Your bitterness, you're not going to change it. Your lust, you're not going to fix it. Your addictions, you're not going to heal it. Christ can. We do not have the power to resurrect the dead. Christ does. And if you're not of Christ, you're spiritually dead. But as we talked about last week, just like Christ called out, come forth, Lazarus, he will call you out of the midst of lostness and give you a new nature and cleanse you by your faith and trust in him. Amen. Amen. Does he know you? I'm going to ask the band to come forward, but I want to spend some time in prayer. If they would just play uh, just, just instrumental for a few moments. Listen, and I pray. I pray for everybody here. Listen to me. And, and hopefully this will give y'all some depth of me. Many years I sit in a church and I had everybody fooled. Many people. I knew the Bible. I was raised around it. I knew all the answers. But Christ didn't know me. You see, it's not that you know Him, but does He know you? Let me put it to you another way. Flying on an airplane don't make me a pilot. 
it makes me a passenger. Saying I'm a Christian don't make me one. It makes me a fan. Living like I'm a Christian shows that I'm a follower of Christ. And when somebody has been changed by Christ, they are convicted and they are changed. And I want to tell you, if you've never placed into your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can. I don't know when any of you are going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. But listen to me, please, whether you're on air or whether you're sitting here. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't do it. I can't resurrect. But Christ can. Hold to him. Believe in him. And he will save you and give you a new nature. For those of here that are born again believers in Jesus Christ, listen to me. This world is tough. It is. I'm not going to encourage you with false things. That's why, to be quite honest with you, I'll never pack all these pews because I'll never tell everybody what they want to hear. I can't. But I will share the good news that God gave me that changed my soul. And he can save yours. And knowing that if you're born again in Jesus Christ, I will not encourage you that everything is going to be okay in your eyes. That used to get me so bad. People say, man, it's going to be a-okay. Well, you know what? In my perspective, it might not be. But in God's eyes, it will. You see... All the devil wants, for those of you who are believers, is to get the fight out of you. I know. If he can get you bent down with sickness and distractions and hate and misery, then he's accomplished his purpose to keep you from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I've often said this, and many times people laugh when I do say it, but I would pray that it would be your mantra too, that when I die and leave this world, that I was known as a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. That my eyes were on the cross, my foot's on the rock, and my name's on the roll. And that should be your desire too. And this morning, I want to spend a few moments in prayer. I'm going to pray for us. Please do not walk out that door you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look, I'm not going to play a bunch of verses and try to force conversions. I don't believe in such. I'm not going to get you to say things. I'm not going to try to snaggle you into something. But I pray this. I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. And if you're here today and you are born again believer, don't you leave that door without making things right with Christ. Look, I fail too. But I don't want to go through life knowing as a born again believer that I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Listen, He is just and faithful and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Trust me. My first question is, does Christ know you? And number two, if He does know you, are you living for Him? 
Don't let this world discourage you. I have seen people celebrate in cemeteries and you would think it was quite odd. But they went out singing and rejoicing because they knew this world was not their home. And one day they would see that person again. Only Christ can do that. Do that. Do you believe that? Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for your grace and mercy. God, I don't know where everybody is in their path. I, I don't have a clue. I'm not one to judge. Lord, I know that i got to stand before a greater judge. And that's you. But Lord, what I do know without a shy of a doubt is regardless of where anybody may be today, that you are greater. God, I believe you still save. I believe that when people place their faith and trust in you, that you're, they're in your hand and nobody can pluck them out. And Lord, as a believer, that should encourage me that regardless of what comes my way, I'm to stand fast because I'm in your hand. Lord, whether you call me to Greenville to eat dinner or whether you call me to be a missionary in the far east reaches of Africa, Lord, there's no place that I can travel that you don't have me in your hand. God, I thank you for the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for revealing your word to John on the Isle of Patmos that we may have things written down to encourage us that you are greater than all things. God, you are faithful in your promises. You are faithful in your word. And Lord, one day I'm going to take my last breath on this earth. But God, I know that as I take my last breath on this earth, I take my first in your presence. And Lord, all the things such as cancer, kidney stones, aches and pains, flu, COVID-19, heart trouble, whatever anybody may have, you are greater than that. And it'll be no more. Lord, whether our bodies can run a marathon or whether they can't, one day we're going to have a new one. And it's going to be made by your unchanging hand. God, I pray today that we are encouraged as believers in the work and the person of Christ. And God, I pray that the work and person of Christ will be that sword, that goad that pricks the heart of man and say, you must be saved. Lord, I cannot begin to thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you for your work on the cross. I thank you for what you continue to do in the lives of people. God, I love this church. I love this community. I love, Lord, I love those that don't love you. God, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that's hard. But God, what I want people to know is the same Christ that transformed me can transform them. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you've done and continue to do. God, I want to spend just a few moments in prayer, silent prayer with you, before you. That, Lord, you would convict hearts for new minds and you would receive all glory.
conclude this service, Lord, and we go out with song. Lord, I pray for your wisdom, your direction, your conviction. Lord, cleanse us. Sustain us and hold us. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us. Thank you.